0: Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cipher Where our mission is to foster allyship, empathy, and understanding I am your host, Ramses
1: Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward, you are listening to Civic Cipher Indeed you are, Um, and we have a lot for you to stick around for, so please do Today we are going to be
0: covering some ground We have had to depart from our normal programming to cover some really important topics please check out the last couple of episodes on civic where we talk about um generational trauma we talk about how algorithms divide us theo ej wilson and and eo afa helped us out with both of those shows we talked about pronouns and why those are important with um with maya um but q was moving around the world Um, Making sure that we had (laughs) Don't let Ram just make that sound All grand He was. I was just going to work He he was moving around the world And so now we're both back in the studio And we have a lot to catch up on So we're going to spend some time Talking about some police stories That have made the news That we feel you should know about Um, We are For those new to the show um, We are people that Certainly pay close attention To how the police treat People, particularly people from black and brown communities, people who are black and brown themselves. And so um, we're going to bring you up to speed on some things that are going on there. Also, we're going to take part of the show to rethink the carceral system. Mm -hmm. Um, We've had some conversations, Q and I, in our group chat when we put together the show. And there are some really important questions that have come up recently that have certainly caused me to expand my concept of criminal rehabilitation and and punishment. Mm. And I think that it's worth listening to. So all that and so much more to stick around for today. But first and foremost, let's start like we always do with some ebony excellence. Shall we? Shall. Today's ebony excellence sponsored by Major Threads. For innovative, fashionable sportswear, check MajorThreads.com. I'm going to share a bit from USA Today um, about a 14-year-old who invented a soap to treat skin cancer. Uh, He was named America's top young scientist. So Herman Beckel, a ninth grader from Annandale, Virginia, won the prestigious award from 3M and Discovery Education, which is considered one of the country's top middle school science competitions. Quote, I believe that young minds can make a positive impact on the world. Herman said in his submission for the award. I have been interested in biology and technology, and this challenge gave me the perfect platform to showcase my ideas, he said. Uh, He spent four months competing against other finalists to be named America's top young scientist. The competition was created to help students between the fifth and eighth grades create innovative ideas that change the world. Um, He-Man, I've been calling Herman, I apologize, He-Man. Uh, developed a compound based bar of soap designed to treat melanoma. The bar of soap costs about 50, per, 50 cents to make, and he hopes to refine his innovation and create a nonprofit organization to distribute the soap to communities in need over the next five years, according to 3M and Discovery Education. So, Heman Belkel, a 14 year old black child, uh, is um, doing something special over there, treating skin cancer with soap. And obviously the amount of research and science and all those sorts of things that are beyond my reality
1: young black ingenuity and that we've been paying specific attention to you know recently is blowing me away yeah
0: yeah yeah it's a special thing so again shout out to Heman Beckel we appreciate you brother
1: all right so let's get to some business mm. When Ramses (laughs) says that, (laughs) you guys can't see us. My stomach starts to hurt a little bit because get back to some business
0: Mm
1: kind of always means the same thing in the space that we're in. Very unfortunately, but it's kind of a perpetual thing and it's not, it's unfortunately not unique to today. Sure, sure. And, you know, the funny
0: thing about that, Q, is that these stories, these national stories, they'll pile up. If we take a week off, um, and in your case, you've taken a couple of weeks off, and you're the only person that I feel really comfortable tackling these things with. I know I'm the only person you feel really comfortable tackling these things Tell with. Tell me about it. Um, you know, we sh- for those that don't know, we share this content. Sometimes I'll take a subject. Sometimes Q will take a subject. Sometimes I'll watch a video. Sometimes Q will. Rarely do we both watch the same thing just because we have to preserve our mental health we don't want to become overwhelmed with death and violence against black and brown bodies um you know we have our processes and q is my brother and um you know when he's not here it's harder to to make these lifts so we're going to cover a few stories today this first one comes from san jose california and i'll share a bit from abc news an article so a san jose police officer has resigned after the police department found numerous disgusting text messages that demonstrated racial bias. According to a statement by the San Jose Police Department, the text messages related to a 2022 shooting incident in which the officer shot a college football player who had wrestled a gun from a perpetrator during a fight in a local Taqueria. I think I'm saying that right, Taqueria? Yeah. In the statement released uh, from the SJPD Mark McNamara was identified as the officer statement said that the department found the messages during an unrelated criminal investigation into one of their other officers quote, there is a zero tolerance for even a single expression of racial bias at the San Jose police department. This according to San Jose police chief, Anthony Mata chief Mata added that the investigation quote, also determined that a current employee who was on the receiving end of s- some of the messages engaged in other concerning dialogue with the former officer. The other employee who has not been identified by the SJPD was immediately placed on administrative leave pending an internal investigation, according to the statement. All right, so let's back up here. In March 2022, then 20 year old Kian Green, who is black, was at the Taqueria in San Jose when a fight ensued. One of the perpetrators pulled out a gun, which Green wrestled out of his hands. He was then shot four times by McNamara, who was responding to the scene as Green was backing out of the door of the taqueria. Following the shooting, Green filed a federal lawsuit against McNamara, SJPD, and the city of San Jose for excessive force and the city's related liability in the incident. In another message sent by McNamara after he was deposed by Green's legal team, he said, quote, I hate black people. Mm. In the 10 page document released by the SJPD containing McNamara's text messages, he frequently used racial slurs when referring to Green and his legal team. Green, who was a college football player at Contra Costa College and still dreams of a career in the NFL, said during the press conference he had to sit out the entire 2022 football season and has been suffering from depression since the the shooting. So,
1: obviously, well, you know what, first, your, your early thoughts, Q. Please, so, before getting into this specifically, you know, Ramses and I have been put into a space of being in the opinion of the expert with regards to this specific type of trauma because of the amount of time we spend dealing dealing with it. it. Yeah. Um, And, and I think that has made us, you know, more open to the conversations that we've had to have recently with regards to mental health Mm -hmm. and being open about it. The, The show has kind of, Thrust us into saying out loud and being very transparent that this is a hard mental lift, lift. for yeah, us. Absolutely. Ramses, you know, spoke earlier about us kind of sharing the load with in- ingesting this type of content, these stories, the videos that accompany them. Um, so sooner than later, Ramses and I are going to take a documented mental health retreat somewhere in the world. Where we probably take a camera with us or a camera person with us and do some introspective mental soul searching and healing. I like that. So that we can do a better job at this for you. Because when I say my stomach starts to hurt when we start talking about this, I was not we chuckled no, a little bit. Real. But I was being very, very serious. <laughs> it, it it makes me sick. And, you know, we're looking at kind of where people's humanity departs. When hate is interjected and listening to this guy say he hates black people and watching people on the news say they hate this group of people or or this other and other being the the key word has made it very easy for people to lose their sense of human decency and empathy with regards to people who don't look, love, or pray the same way that they do. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to kind of highlight that in general, not just specific to this story but i'm listening to this language yeah i hate insert group of people and in their mind that means that we can mistreat kill disrespect denigrate the list goes on sure. this group of people that we've deemed beneath us or less than so here's the funny part of this
0: story and this is particular. not me trying to veer away
1: from this but no, 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 no. those are the type of feelings that yeah, reading
0: sure. this cause to stir up in me. But see, I'm glad that you mentioned that because these stories that we have in the first part of the show here, these are all police officers. And they feel this way. And they're empowered to directly impact the community. And they are often enough are insulated from consequences. And while we're looking at this officer, Mark McNamara, Hopefully that's the last time I ever have to say his name. Um, Don't want to make him famous. (laughs) But, you know, when we look at people like this, you start thinking, okay, well, I know or I would guess that there's at least two people in this department that feel this way as, you know, based on just the fact that he was texting someone openly this language yeah felt comfortable sharing this with a colleague so now there's at least two people Uh, now we can make the argument and after having covered this sort of stuff so for so long we can we can make several arguments that it's the culture of policing in general across the entirety of the united states unfortunately and and the exception is the good cop you know the system it, it does not exist to help all of us the same right
1: This is Maggie B. Nowen, and we'll be right back with more Civic Cipher after a quick break. Hi, I'm Dr. Miranda Melcher, host of the Just Access podcast. We bring you amazing interviews from the world of human rights and access to justice, from Dunja Miatovic, Council of Europe Commissioner for Human Rights, to Liz Evenson, International Justice Director at Human Rights Watch. Whether you're a law student or legal professional, human rights activist, or just want to stay up to date on what's happening with the world, The Just Access podcast is your go-to for inspirational stories and fascinating discussions about the state of human rights today. Search for Just Access on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: But back to this. This officer was not a lone actor, and this officer had been empowered and indeed carried a gun and was justified in every street level physical punishment he ever doled out to anybody um, because of the fact that he was an officer and he was able to do that for that long and felt this way. There is no instance in my life, not one, not one instance where you will ever hear me say, I hate, insert group of people. For those that know me, for those who've seen me and Q on The Breakfast Club, on the cover of a magazine, on CNN, wherever you've seen us, Google, whatever, you see that I have a huge tattoo on my arm and it says, I love you.
1: And that is intended for whoever's reading it. Whoever's reading it. Whenever I
0: hold a microphone, you can read it. So when I know, I, I know that it is not possible for me to ever say that. When I look at a police officer, knowing that there's at least two based on this story,
1: and this is on record, by the way. On record. I, I, I hate to keep steering away from this story specifically, but Ramses in particular, right, extends a level of grace and benefit of the doubt to people who don't deserve it because he is not inclined to ever lead with hate, even to people who have wronged us, people who have aggressively wronged us. He provides people a space still of reconciliation us. for them. So it's it's mm-hmm. important for me to interject there. This isn't sure. to sound good or for a good sound bite on this particular story listen to every episode we've ever had and you'll hear me interjecting where I feel like <laughs> there should be some stronger negative emotion and Ramses just does not come from that space or that place so imagine that even with the proverbial thumb being pressed down on us or boot or however you want to you know mentally imagine that that he still comes from a place where there's grace love forgiveness and reconciliation that as a possibility And he leads with that, with empathy, with, you know what I mean? So again, it's very, very hard because the reason he hates Black people is not because Black people have traditionally wronged him and his, right? This hate was indoctrinated and taught to him by someone else. And people like him, there's nothing on the application Uh, There could be something during the interview, right, to root people like this out, and not just in the way of a question, but if a criminal did something, you give them a lie detector test. If you're giving someone this type of authority, maybe as a part of the interview process, hook them up to a lie detector and ask them their thoughts on black and brown people. And how about we disqualify them if there's something that indicates that they might hate a specific group of people that they have the authority and the power to not just arrest and affect their livelihood forever, but to unalive.
0: Yeah. Which has a ripple effect across the whole community. Just the thought. Uh, And it's a brilliant thought. And, and here's something else I want you to remember. We're talking about this officer in San Jose who's texting his fellow officer. I hate black people. And we have a couple of other stories that we need to get to all from the police. And we cover a lot of this on our show. But remember, these are the officers that got caught. Mic drop. Think about that. If these text messages hadn't come to light based on another investigation. This officer who hates black people would still be patrolling the streets of San Jose doing whatever officers do to people that they hate.
1: With impunity, by the way. Oh, yeah.
0: Fully protected by the law and the community that says, you know, blue lives matter and thin blue line. And it's hurtful and it's not fair. Let's move on. Uh, this next story is coming from The Root. If you don't know about The Root? Check out The Root, right? That's awesome. Okay. Dexter Wade's preliminary autopsy shows his body was carelessly mishandled before a secret burial according to Ben Crump. Now, I've talked about this show on the Black Information Network daily podcast. Check that out. Um, I have a lot of thoughts there, but it's important to mention this here on Civic Cyber because this is really where I wanted to talk about it. It's just that now we're finally getting to it. So we appreciate your patience. For those that don't know a little bit about the backstory, there was a black man who was run over by a police car who was, I think, pursuing some other, some unrelated thing. He just lost his life, just accident. The police then took him and buried him. He had ID and I'll read, I'll read that part of it, but they buried him without his mother knowing his mother worried about her son for seven months until she found out that he had died and the police covered it up. So that's the backstory. Let me read a little bit about the, um, how his body was mishandled just a bit here again from the root an independent pathologist released the initial findings from the autopsy of dexter wade the mississippi man fatally struck by a police car earlier this year and buried by the county unbeknownst to his family the findings reveal wade had identification on him at the time of his death dr frank peretti hired by civil rights attorney ben crump released the initial findings following the exhumation of wade's body peretti noted That Wade had several identifying items on his person, including his health insurance card and the ID which contained his home address. Peretti said Wade was, quote, completely run over by the police car that struck him back in March. The report, he was, I think they let his mom know in August sometime. All right. The report also said that Wade's body was in an advanced state of decomposition and that he suffered multiple blunt force injuries to the skull, ribs and pelvis. His left leg was also amputated. Now, you see now you see why we got (laughs) to take turns with these stories. Sorry if that was a bit much. I didn't I didn't know that was coming. All right. Wade wasn't embalmed when the county buried him in a Hines County pauper's grave weeks following the incident. Quote, the tragic news we received from the independent pathologist today was heartbreaking for everyone who knew and cared for Dexter Wade, especially his mother. The fact that Dexter had a state ID card and several other identifying items shows us that there was a concerted effort to keep the truth and the manner of his death from his family. There is no excuse, not even incompetence, for not notifying a next of kin of an identified man's death, Crump said in a statement. All right, now, real quick, I want to add a couple more things here his mother dexter wade's mother um, also lost a brother to the same police department and i believe that there was a lawsuit there I'm, I, I don't have the notes here just now so if i'm not if i'm not correct here don't let me to it but i believe there was a lawsuit there and i i my thoughts were that the police didn't want the mother to know because they feared a second lawsuit right so when we talk about police accountability, police cover-ups, these are the police that get caught, et cetera, et cetera, we have another s- such story. Um, it's also important to note that, you know, one of the things that Q and I really try our best to do is we try to acknowledge the fact that we're both men and we are not black women. And we we respect the fact that black women feel more of the feelings that there are to feel when we tell stories like this and today we're talking about one such black mother who lost her brother and her son and for seven months had to walk around with that knot in her stomach fearing the worst only to find out that not only was her son not alive anymore but he was taken from her in a horrible manner and she wasn't allowed to be present when they exhumed the body. Um, they, I believe they had a funeral recently for him, a proper funeral. Um, and the manner of death and the cover-up overshadowed what would normally be a, a a very tragic event, very heartbreaking event. And it's doubly so now. And I thought back to Emmett Till and his mother, Mamie, having the courage to go through that and to share that story. And so in, in this moment, and as often as we can, uh, we want to make sure that we acknowledge the pain that black women suffer under the framework of this society and often enough by police in this country. And so, um, I just wanted to make sure that I, I stated that. Um, and uh we're not going to have enough time to get to it but i had another one elijah mcclain um he was the uh young man He was a sweetheart please look up his name elijah mcclain he was from colorado um he was such a good person
1: and this kid was on the spectrum i believe i
0: believe that if that's not uh if i'm not mistaken i believe that's true but he got the most positive energy energy and personality as a result of that, he was a very caring, kind mm-hmm. soul and it's cold in Colorado and he was wearing a ski mask. Neighbors called the police on him. He showed up, lost his life. And, uh, there's a now a second officer that's been acquitted for his death. And that obviously has caused a lot of people to be upset. So we're talking about accountability. We're talking about, you know, uh, consequences and we're talking about people that ultimately ended up getting caught in the case of elijah mcclain people made a big enough deal out of it um, in order for there to at least be an investigation into it but as is often the case there will be no consequences for at least two of the officers that were directly involved in his death and unfortunately that's
1: such a hard thing to try to comprehend and
0: reconcile listen listen, imagine the amount of stuff that we couldn't get to we picked three because we thought we could get to it this list goes on And we're just going to keep sharing it with you.